We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. So, we'd like to welcome everyone back for another week of the Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors. It's been a good week for us, a good week. We actually got combat sports to talk about this week. Packed full of stuff to preview. It was great wrestling. If you guys haven't heard about Battle of Los Angeles, PWG, we'll clue you guys in. It's probably one of the best wrestling shows every year. This year didn't disappoint. We have CM Punk debut to talk about. Tons of stuff. But for some reason, Andreas has been captivated since last night about Tiger signing with good music. Man. You're about to cop that album, huh? No. But 
I think this is fascinating on so many levels because everybody's talking about this and we're not going to talk about this in two days. Like nobody's going to give a shit. But for that like 30 to 45 minutes, everybody was talking about Tiger the Sign to good music. I don't, I don't even understand it. It's like this is like family collateral damage. Like Tiger, Kanye, the Kardashians. This is like Satan's spawn. Wow. Yo, that's what the Kardashians do, though. One person gets on, and then they put everybody else on. But I, Okay, so the question is this. What does Tiger get out of signing with good music? There's some publicity, but then what? Well, he gets a definite budget that Young Money wasn't going to give him. He gets, you, you think an album comes out of this? Oh, I think an album comes out of this. Man, it sounds like Rockefeller when they signed Aztec and a bunch of other people that no, never came out. No, an album's coming out of this. He's going to record the album on his reality show. It's going to show him recording it on the Kardashians. Kanye is going to be a guest on the single. He'll probably debut it at Kanye, what, the Kanye season six oh, or whatever yeah. it is. You might have a real life tiger on the stage. You never know what Kanye. This is this is what Kanye does. Listen, two weeks ago, no one was talking about Tiana Taylor either. Yeah, but at she, least Tiana's got talent. She does, but no one's talking about her talent. They're not even talking about her songs. They're talking about Kanye's song. Kanye didn't even like, yo, we're gonna put out Tiana Taylor doing all this freaky dancing to her own music to highlight how dope her album was. No. We're going to put her out, half-ass naked, dancing to my music to highlight how much of a genius I am. That's what Kanye said. Yo, and it blew he, up. He's a narcissist on a whole nother level. I don't, here's what I don't understand. I am not a fan of Kanye anymore. And I used to be Kanye's biggest fan back in 03. Like, the dude has changed. I don't even want to say he's changed, but the certain elements of his personality have exploded, right? And others have just completely went away. Like, the conscious side of Kanye is out of, out of here. No more. He doesn't talk about anything that makes sense anymore. He's just super narcissistic. I don't know how you can like the same guy. Because he's not even the same guy to me. Like, I look at it, I listen to his music, and I'm like, this shit is... I know you grow and mature, but it doesn't even resemble what he did once upon a time. Like Calabasas Kanye. Dude, a Kanye and Tiger... Like, first of all, the Kanye Drake album is coming. Drake said in Vogue that they're working on music. So apparently this thing is coming. Whether it actually comes to fruition in the near future, we never know. But... Man, I don't want to hear none of this shit. Like, a Tiger and Kanye, like, well, produced by Kanye's team, because Kanye don't even produce shit no more. But Kanye is Dr. Dre, effectively, right now. Musically, he's he's Dr. Dre. He's just not even sonically, well, maybe. I mean, Kanye's always had a great ear for music. I just don't know what the hell he's making these days. But, yeesh. I don't know. Listen, man, only thing I want from good music is Pusha T albums. And maybe some fresh Kid Cudi every now and then. Now, I don't even want Kid Cudi album. I, I think Kid Cudi's terrible. But that's my personal opinion. Because I remember, <laughs> he just makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> every time I hear him, I just want to, like, I'm like, man, why am I alive? Like, what is the purpose in life? Because Kid Cudi makes me sad. Oh, well, it's probably your same position on Joe Budden music. And he's in my top five, so. Well, at least he can rap. Kid Cudi can't do anything. Eh, really. He wails. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool on that. <laughs> you know, shout out to the generation of the crooners. Yes. He's a very morose Nate dog. I'm, I'm just letting you know. This is this is the legacy of Nate Dog, by the way. It, it's it's sad to look at, but Nate Dog was so great that he spurned all these guys who were like, yo, I'm not gonna rap, 
I'm just going to harmonize and croon and make a living. And they took it, and since he's passed, they don't know what the hell to do with it. Yeah, it's kind of... And we get designers, we get Kid Cuddies, we get Futures, all off of one guy in hip-hop. The spawn of Nate Dogg. The spawn... This is the family tree of Nate Dogg. Indirect. (laughs) By the way, people always wonder, like, yo, Kel says wild shit, and you guys talk music all the time. Why doesn't he write about music? It's because places won't let me say shit like that. Imagine that. By the way, if this was on Two Dope Boys, Shake would have the dopest cover art for that. Yeah, he would. The Nate Dogg family tree would be fire just off of the cover art. Well, that's not even... I I don't think that nobody... I think that's something something that anybody would let you do. Because nobody's really even thought about it to that degree. Because these are all the bastard stepchildren of Nate Dogg. It is. And since he passed, they kind of took it left. Yeah, and kind of ruined it. I mean, there's a few cats that... well. Not really. Uh, <laughs> what, not really. Ty Dolla Sign? Maybe he's the only one that hasn't ruined it? Yeah, and, and I mean, Ty Dolla Sign's actually pretty talented. He's good. He, you know, so, you look through his history, he's been around for a while. With Ty and Corey back in the day, he toured with Kanye way back in the day, and Sarah, so he's talented. Nate Dogg kind of, his album was trash, by the way. If anybody remembers the Nate Dogg, I think it was a double album at that. It wasn't that good. <laughs> but everything that Nate Dogg touched, it was, it was catchy as hell. I don't see anybody that's that, well... I guess people say future is. Future, yeah. I mean, right now, I guess anyone born after 1994 doesn't even remember Nate Dogg. They just think it's future. Damn. And the most memorable memorable hooks of the West Coast. Like, that was the voice of the West Coast hook. Insane. Yo, okay. Before I even get into this, did you watch Atlanta? I, I did not watch Atlanta yet. Oh, man. And I'm hearing great things. I had to catch up on so much wrestling on Wednesday because I didn't watch anything. <laughs> <laughs> on Monday and Tuesday. So I watched just crammed wrestling, which is the best way to do it. If people say, I don't have time to watch this much wrestling, just clear your Wednesday. I have Hulu. I watch Raw, SmackDown, the CWC, and uh, NXT all on Wednesday. Just Jesus. crammed it in. That's a lot of wrestling. Yeah, it was, it was a ton. Well, you get to fast forward on the whack parts of Raw and SmackDown. True, true. I do that anyway. Like, I don't, I rarely watch anything live anymore, but... Yeah, that's the way to do it. But but Atlanta, man, Donald Glover put together an excellent, excellent show. And this is just based off of two episodes. I, I have no idea. I mean, it could crash, but I sincerely doubt it. And this is, it's so good. I, and I, I, know, I mean, you have your personal experiences in Atlanta. Yeah, well, see, that's that's the other thing. It's like because you know I went to Morehouse, so you know I went to the AUC, but I but I grew up. I was when I grew up, I was around other parts of Atlanta, like East Point. You know, I, I had an apartment in East Point and College Park in Austell. You know, I used to go down to Greenbrier Mall. Like I was around the outskirts of Atlanta, and like I, there was a lot of familiar places and a lot of very uh, nuanced things of Atlanta that is included in the show. But it's it's funny without being like a Wayne's brother slapstick type shit. Like it's 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 smart. It's good. It's a great show, and I'm glad that black folks are finally getting the opportunity to make shows that don't strip us of our culture, but are relatable to us, and yet are just good television shows. When you get a chance, you got to watch. Anybody's listening, so if you haven't watched it, I know they're streaming episode one on YouTube. Just find a way to watch this show because it's it's really that good. Yeah, I have the FX app. I'm watch it. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. I'm gonna watch it tonight. So I'm a catch up. I'm a huge Gambino fan, Donald Glover fan. I like his stand up. Um, he's just very different, and he thinks very out of the box. Uh, I tend to always gravitate towards artists and musicians that do so. So it's cool to see, like you know, he had this vision. He quit Community, 
because he wanted this vision to come to fruition. And uh, it's great that they gave him the platform. And he's going to yeah. take it and run with it, which is which is dope. I'm yeah, he, sure his next lane is movies after this, and he has no ceiling. So yeah, he is the the artsy version of Drake, in my opinion. Like Drake is the the commercial mainstream reach. Like Donald Glover is the art is very he he loves his art. I don't think he does anything necessarily for the mainstream. He's just good at what he does. Like I, I was listening to Sober the other day because I forgot how dope that song was, and I was like, this is what Drake would be if Drake didn't care about the, what the rest of the world thought. Because he's, you know, he's very personalized, like personable. There's a lot of things about him that's really dope. Anyway. Um, yeah, I was listening there? to Camp earlier, matter of fact. I've been listening to Gambino a lot lately. He's so I, I understand what you're saying. Um, to me, it, this is the best wave. Drake never really went back to acting, which has always been weird to me. Right. Um, I, I think this is like the wave of what you have to do. Kanye spun off into fashion, all this stuff. Hip-hop is made to grow so much bigger than what a lot of people put themselves in the box for. Um, this is, like, you know, 20 years later, probably what, shit, this is what Pac would have done in the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pac, Pac was well on his way. On that. his way to doing all this. He would have had a TV show, movies, Cube did it. I don't know why somehow in the 2000s we went left. Yeah, I don't know either. But it's nice to see yeah. it coming back. You know, this is what hip-hop people did once upon a time. Absolutely. Um, so that's our real quick tour around hip hop. Uh, anything else besides this? Oh, your tweet went viral. <laughs> Blew up. DL Hughley was like, yo, Andreas got some dope stuff to say. Let me, let me hop on this and retweet this. And people were just texting me like, yo, this your boy? All this. Stuff. I was like, wow. Yeah, he's deep now. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> deep now. I've always been deep. It's just, I don't know. It was just something. It was in response to all the Kaepernick. Like when I tweeted about Kaepernick earlier in the week, I got a lot of hate about, why did he, you know, why did he choose to sit for the national anthem? There's other ways he could have protested. And I'm like, well, well, what the fuck do y'all want? Like, this was, that was my question. That's where the tweet was spawned from. I'm like, if we march, y'all pissed off. If we do a sit-in, y'all pissed off. If we stand up for what we want to do, y'all pissed off. But when we die, y'all don't say shit. Like, don't nobody say nothing when we're dead. But anytime that we protest, everybody's upset. And any form of protest is unacceptable. So I sent that tweet, and I didn't think nothing of it. And it was funny because early in the day, I just got my blue check. I got verified. I was waiting for my check in the mail, but all I got was a blue check. And I, I, you know, I, I sent the tweet. I walked away. I came back, and then I, I looked at my computer, and I was like, 600 retreats, 800 wheat. I was like, what's going on here? And then people were hitting me. was like, yo, did you know Gabrielle Union retweeted you? And I was like... Okay. I mean, you know, social media for me is just not real. Like, it's just not real. Just because somebody retweets, I'm like, that's not my friend. But apparently this thing has just gone everywhere. And it's like Sean King talked about it and mad people have hit DM me. And I'm like, it's just 140 characters. I've written articles that are like 100 times longer than this. And y'all don't care that much. But (laughs) Yo, you hit Facebook. That's what I know is real. Yeah, like people were like screen grabbing it, and there would be people like from random places, like, yo, you said this? Well, of course, it's got my face by it. But <laughs> like, I was like, well, what you want me to do? I mean, I'm just saying what it is. I mean, we're, we're in the second week, all this Kaepernick shit, and it's like we spending more time still talking about him not standing for the national anthem than talking about fixing the problems that he brought up. Yeah. So I, I've got a problem with this shit. You and got it, the utmost patience, yo. To, I, I just watch you talk about it on social media. And I'm just like, the, the responses you get, and then even the people you respond to, I'm just like, yo, some of these people are idiots. 
Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I was like, "Yo, Dre got way more patience than me." <laughs> I just, I, I, you know, I'm very insular in my life, and a lot of people think because, like, you know, I have a decent Twitter following or what have you, and the things that I've accomplished that I have like a whole lot of friends, and I'm like always out and about. I, I'm not, I'm not that type of guy. I'm very isolated. So when I see people comment, like, I don't care because it doesn't affect me. You know, I, I comment on certain things because I just have fun with it because I'm looking at people like, yo, you're a fucking idiot. Like, some of you just shouldn't be allowed to have opinions. And it is what it is. I don't get upset. I don't, I don't really get mad. I get annoyed. Like, there's some things that, that people say. I'm like, wow, really? You think like that? Like, when I saw Shaq on Fox News talking about why didn't Kaepernick stand up last year, I want to smack shit out of him. Oh, my God. Sh- like, Stay so- off Fox News. Yeah, like, like first, of first all, off, they don't paint the you into a corner. <laughs> Somewhere you don't want to be. Don't go on Fox News to share these opinions. There's there's uh, other places. Yeah, that's the jig. And, you know, he didn't see the jig there. But then, you know, for him, because he was just like, you know, Muhammad Ali, you know, always stood up for that. That's not true. Muhammad Ali was Cassius Clay when he first started fighting. And he learned through the nation of Islam and became Muhammad Ali and took a stand way later in his career. So it's like. Athletes can grow and learn, and we can't treat them like, oh, well, you should have come in as a 19-year-old rookie as with the black fist up. No, Kaepernick got fed up. He learned. He didn't do this for attention. He didn't do it because it's not making him any more money. He's donating his jersey sales. I caught myself a jersey, by the way, and I'm going to be everywhere wearing a Kaepernick jersey, <laughs> and I dare a motherfucker to say something to me. But anyway. No, I believe it, and it's the only person you can really rock on your team. Well, yeah. Due, I mean, the wackness of this season. And he's on the bench. What I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, symbolic for me more than anything else. But what what Kaepernick has accomplished is creating dialogue, and it's a lot. Of, it's stuff that a lot of athletes just ref- they won't do. And whether you agree with his methods or not, the fact is that we are talking about these things, and that he's actually doing something about it. Him donating, him speaking up, is more than I can say for about eighty five percent of athletes. Even though, like people like. Not to take away from what LeBron James and then did at the ESPYs, but it's always a then what. And I'm not saying I'm not using LeBron as saying he's not doing anything because I know LeBron is actually pretty active. But I'm saying like just to say something is one thing, but when you are actively doing something and you're not necessarily in the spotlight, you you aren't the star quarterback anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like Eton Thomas did it when he was in the NBA. Uh, Mamou Abdul Rauf. People forget about Mamou when he didn't stand for national anthem. Yeah. What happened to him? Yeah, that was but huge though for like you, two weeks. Yeah, everybody talked about it. But you don't have to be a superstar to take a stand. And I hate when people say that he's not relevant. Like, that's not the point. He's relevant enough to get your attention, but he doesn't have to be a superstar. Like, he's using his platform to make a statement. So I wish more athletes would do it. I wish there was a lot more athletes that would take a stand. I, you know, I'm not saying everybody not stand for the national anthem. It's just something that I didn't even do in high school. Like, there was a lot of times I was like, fuck this national anthem. I don't give a fuck. But if to each his own how they want to approach it, but... Doing something's better than doing nothing. And people like Shaq or Jerry Rice or Rodney Harrison want to criticize Kaepernick. It's like, you ain't doing shit. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I guess at this point, Shaq feels it's too late for him to do something. It's never too late. It's not. He's got a platform. every When, when he's on the NBA every week, he can say something. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's still Shaq. Yep. And, and it's, it's not. I don't know. They just still don't get it. Do you think we ever see anyone in combat sports... Like a star, like someone big mm-hmm. enough, a champion, that will take that stance going forward. Because you know, now combat sports has changed since those Ali days. That's true. That's Back true. then, you know, I don't know, if for some reason to me, it always seemed like, yo, the fighters, regardless if you were, you know, like Mexican, uh, during like the Guevara, the Che Guevara joint, all that, you know, black fighters, 
it, everyone took a stance and they weren't scared to take a stance. Right. But prize fighting, like they came from the slums back then. The money, the pots weren't ginormous. You know, you weren't making what, 30 mil for a fight if you were a superstar. You didn't have to, you know, sell pay-per-views on HBO. It's free television. Right, right. I'm not, I'm not sure anymore if we'll see a combat sports person take that stand. UFC, boxing, anything. Yeah, Damn that, sure not wrestling. Vince will fire you. Yeah, that, uh, that's a, re- a really big challenge. And it's something that... Um, I actually had this conversation with King Mo recently. Me and Mo talk about like minority issues a lot. And, you know, the lack of minorities in combat sports, the lack of people taking a stand. You know, people look at King Mo like he's an idiot and he's just a mouthy guy, but Mo was really smart. And, you know, me and him actually have become friends over the years just because of our stance on, on you know, being African-American in combat sports in general. And then just looking at, you know, how the community reacts to MMA and, you know, the, the, the outliers, everything that goes on in the culture. So will somebody take a stand? Well, you know, there is... I, maybe I'll challenge Tyron Woodley to something like this because he's from Ferguson and he's talked about it before. And it's not yes, like, you yes. know, he, I don't know what his stand would be. Um, I think he said something on the show that he uh, wasn't sure if he'd sit down for the national anthem, but he agrees with what Kaepernick has brought to the table. Well, it's going to take something drastic from the MMA community because, unfortunately, especially from MMA, not necessarily boxing, MMA is still regarded as white even though it's not um and a lot of mma fighters don't are whether they're scared to because i've asked a lot of them and they just kind of fall back or don't really want to touch on black issues even though they're black um you know see fighters like not too long ago we just saw cowboy cerrone endorse trump yeah i mean not popular opinion and nothing happened to him so it's weird to me that black fighters like okay he shares opinion that's not popular, regardless of what you may think. He shared his opinion. That's who he's riding for. Nothing happened to it. He used his voice in some type of way. Yeah. If you use your voice in some type of way, why are you scared that there's repercussions? Then? Uh, you know, Dan is going for Trump as well. So that's maybe, very true. Maybe <laughs> there's something to do with it. But I'm just saying, for me, it's like if you're an athlete and you're of minority and you see injustices in this country... If you have the opportunity to say something, just, to some people, it's just not that important to them until it really hits home. See, um, and little stuff goes a long way, in my opinion. Like, if you're a champ, not saying that Tyrone Woodley has to do anything drastic or anything like that, but something he could do is just, you know what, take the fine from Reebok. Wear, wear a shirt out there that has something on it right. to the cage. Don't wear the Reebok apparel, little stupid shirt. You know, yeah. wear a Ferguson Still Struggles t-shirt. And highlight how nothing has happened or gotten better there. That's true, man. And, and, and it's again, what, 30K? Take that fine. Yeah, it's, it's you look at a guy like Tyron Woodley, and it's like, you know, I'm not singling him out because, again, I no, know he's, he's just done. one of the few black champions. Yeah, exactly. You know, he has actually done things in the community. He is not afraid to speak up on the injustices in Ferguson. Um, it's just we like to see more. It's like, you know, John Jones refuses to talk about it. Uh, DJ D- Demetrius Johnson doesn't say much about African American issues, and maybe it's just because it doesn't hit home for them. Uh, um, DC doesn't really speak much about it, but once again, he's a lot. His platform is very television too, so not right. sure how that plays into it. Well, no, and that's interesting because I'm going to be actually after I got phone with you, I'm going I'm to after this podcast, I'll actually be talking to DC today. So, you know, we've had conversations in the past. Uh, you know, a real private thing that we had, and I could talk about it because nothing really came out of it, is we, after 
he beat Anderson Silva at 200. I briefly talked about with him about Alton Sterling after the fight, after the presser. And um, he was just talking about how when you're training, you're kind of isolated from a lot of things. So you're playing catch up. And I think a lot of people forget that with fighters, celebrities, like people have, there's a lot of other things going on where you're not able to see everything that's going on and be able to react to it. So I'm going to ask him now that he's had some downtime, what does he think? I'm curious now because I understand that perspective is that you're so busy that you might miss something here and there. But uh, when the spotlight's not on you and you're not training, then what? What are you going to do? I'm curious. So we'll see. We'll see what some of these guys think. I don't know if anybody in the near future is going to take a stand. I hope so. There's too much shit going on in this world for people to not take a stand. But it's combat sports, man. A lot, a lot of people are... Uh, it always affects the paycheck. Exactly. That, and they scared about their money. Word. It, they're independent contractors. No shield to hide behind there. Indeed. So uh, let's talk about combat sports now that we're rolling into it. UFC 203 this weekend. It feels like it's been a while since we had a big card. I, I don't know why. But it, it was, was just, just like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we just had two, two not too long ago. Um, but yeah, this is there's I guess there's a lot of significance on this card with the debut of CM Punk. If two heavyweight tilts, you got uh, Steve Miocic making his first title defense in his backyard at Cleveland um, against Alistair Overeem in what should be a hell of a fight. And Fabricio Verdum uh, fighting Travis Brown for a second time. Brown taking the final short notice because Ben Rothwell was injured. So this this card actually does have a lot of weight. I mean, Uriah Thayer's fighting Jimmy Rivera. Um, unfortunately, Ray Borg is off the card with Ian McCall, which sucks for Ian because this is the second time this shit has happened to him. I was about to say, I feel like I haven't seen Ian McCall fight in forever. This is the second time that a, a short, on short notice his opponent had to pull out. But overall, this is a pretty interesting card. Um, so you want to talk predictions? Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, well, before we get into the actual predictions, what have you thought about the CM Punk? One, if you saw like the, the little miniseries, or two, just his training videos that have been coming out. Do you think he has he gotten better to you? Because I know we trashed him like a year ago. He couldn't throw a punch. He was yeah. on Ronda Rousey status. Yeah, no, he's gotten better. I mean, you can see that he's he's clearly gotten better. And the funny thing about it, the documentary's been good. First of all, it was, it's, it's a good thing to watch because CM Punk is a very isolated individual who doesn't let a lot of people in his life. So to see him in his element training to get ready for a fight, especially over the course of over a, almost a year and a half now um, since he originally signed. It's been interesting to watch. The, the interesting thing, and I'm always curious about, is the, 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 the magic of editing. Because you can make somebody look better than what they are. You can make somebody look like shit. And early in this documentary, it, it felt like they pulled, not to say that there were anything really great to come out of it, but they pulled a lot of sh- really crappy looks for Punk. Like, he looked really bad early. He tapped four times in that first sparring shot. Yeah. And they but- showed every one of them. You know, if you've ever been to an MMA gym and you watch guys get ready for a fight, they get tapped. Shit happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is nothing new. Like, guys guys get beat up in training. Guys have bad days. And maybe there were days we called punk on bad days. However. Shit, we heard about DC crying during yeah. training camps before. Well, yeah, we saw, that, we saw that happen, turned out. But it just makes <laughs> you think how well, you know, this is put together to give us the, perce- the perception that CM Punk is terrible. Or to give us a perception of growth to show, well, he was here and now he's here and maybe he has a chance against Mickey Gall. So I thought the series was good, but it's just, it's really hard for me to take a lot away. But there's little things that I take away with, like watching him throw a punch is, you know, and defend a punch is something I just watch really closely because you just don't really learn striking overnight. Um, 
his jujitsu, his ground game, I'm like, all right, well, I can see that he's learning and he's getting a little bit better, but is he ready after a year and a half of training for the big stage? And that's that's the question that we all have. And is a lot Mickey of say, Gall the big stage? I, I don't know how good Mickey Gall is. Well, that's the other thing. We don't know how good Mickey Gall is, but at least he's had two amateur fights and two pro fights that are Which ain't shit. I mean, I go to tough enough fights all the time. Their champions have nine amateur fights. Right. So I'm not sure you, how good he is compared to them. It, it's, it makes you curious. Well, you know, does that mean, you know, a guy from Tough Enough could be CM Punk? Like, there's so many questions. No, I've seen some dope fight. people through Tough Enough. I mean, they've gone, you know, into the Ultimate Fighter house. They, I think so. I, I'm not sure how good Mickey Gall is. Throughout this whole process, that's all I can focus on is I've seen the kid for 30 seconds. Yeah, there's, there's just not a lot. There's not a lot of tape on him. You know, I mean, he finished uh, Mike Jackson quick. It was so quick that it was just like, well, it was a punch and a choke. So what do you really make of that? And he's young. I mean, obviously, he's been training. He teaches at his gym. Uh, but that, you don't really know what that means. And it's not like you look at Punk and go, well, the bright lights of the UFC. No, that's not going to affect him at all. No, it's not like, like he was training in his backyard. He's training against some of the best fighters in the world and the current 170-pound champion. Yeah, like he's done all of the, you know, he and he's 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 wrestled in front of like massive audiences. So the spotlight's not going to bother Punk. I I I could almost guarantee you if Dana White was like, "Hey, um, you know, we're going to put you on fight pass on." Like he'd still take the fight. I don't think the the stage matters to him. I think he just wants to fight. Um so with that being said, I just this is an interesting fight. I guess let's talk about the fight. Punk is a, at, at the last time I checked, he was a plus 370 underdog. And I know some people think that's even too generous, like he should be like a plus 1,000, which I think is insane because he's fighting somebody that nobody's ever really seen before. I'd put money on Punk. At, at I, this point, I'd put money on Punk for that spread. Yeah, and I mean, like I said like I, I said on the SB, uh, Sportsbook Review show the other day, I was like, I'll take a flyer on him. I mean, what's it going to hurt? We don't know. We have no idea what Punk is going to do. It's just a matter like. My question is, what if he wins? Like, what if Punk wins? What does this mean not only for him, but for other aspiring athletes who want to become MMA fighters? Because they can get the same opportunity that Punk got on a big stage if they really want to. Like, if, if I'm going to just choose a random NFL player, if uh, Vernon Davis decided to leave football and want to be an MMA fighter, why not? Punk has no athletic background and he just want to fight. Like, I think that changes the perspective of everything. Oh, it definitely does. You look at someone, as long as your profile is big enough, you can have the chance. That's, that's what the UFC has set as a precedent right now. It's crazy. And, I mean, you look at someone, what if Gronk wanted to fight heavyweight? That's what I'm saying. Are it's you like, picking what? against Gronk? It's like, like if, <laughs> I don't know. If, if Punk wins, it just changes that dynamic of everything. It just it, the perspective, and it's not something that would happen overnight. But you, I guarantee you, you see, like Amir Khan might say, "You know what? I should do this shit for real. If he can win, I can win." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Amir Khan be like, "Yo, I could take someone out. Are you, it, if you guys are gonna give me someone outside of the top ten, I'll take right. this fight at 145." You know, you you look at uh, I mean, damn, there's so many people who can make the jump, just pro wrestlers. What's Daniel Bryan doing? Exactly. Mm. He loves to roll around a bit. He trains in Arizona. We've seen a lot of these guys. They do train MMA. I know. Some, I, yeah. I know for a fact some more Joe trained MMA for a while. And, you know, a lot of these guys actually do this. So it makes you think. It's like, I would love right. to see Shinsuke back in there, though, because he's actually fought before. Right. 
It's like, I mean, you see a lot of these guys. A lot of the New Japan guys, you know, obviously there was Sakuraba, who was the Gracie killer for so many years and still still wrestling. Um, but it just opens the door for so many people. So, all right, so official prediction, though. Are you picking Punk to win this fight? I am picking CM Punk to win this fight. Um, I'm picking him to win second round submission. Wow. Because um, I, I don't know anything about Mickey Gall. Um and to me, the bright lights, the stage, everything, I, I give my faith not to CM Punk, not to Mickey Gall, to Dana White, and Dana White being smart enough to give him somebody he can beat. If you're going to go out and find a nobody kid, you're going to find the right person. And I think he went out and said he can beat him. And I, I think he can do it. Now, who he fights next is the question. Does he fight a legit UFC fighter? Then, you know, Punk might get ran through. Who knows? But I think he wins. Yeah, I'm picking Mickey Gall. All right, so we're back. I don't see... uh, Punk, I I feel like, still has a long way to go. And granted, we may not know a lot from Mickey Gall, but the fact that he does have two amateur and two pro fights does mean something. Um, I, you know... I don't know. It's still like a toss of fight to me, but it just from what I've seen out of Gall, his training, his the brief amount of you know time he spent in the cage in the UFC and his uh, fight before that, um, he looks he looks nuanced. He's young. He looks like a killer. Like we gotta remember that Punk is a 37 year old making his MMA debut. It's not his UFC. This is his MMA debut. Even Brock Lesnar had a fight before he got to the UFC. So I'm gonna pick Gall. Um, I don't know if Punk can survive. I'm curious. But uh, I'm going to pick Gall by – I think he may stop him with strikes. Well, I think he may knock him down and choke him out. You know, I don't know if Punk really – I don't know if Punk has ever really in training been in true danger where he's been socked with everything somebody had and then, you know, had to find his way to get his wits back in and not get choked out. So I'm going to pick Gall. No, that's very true. I'm not sure if Punk has been hit full force in the face before. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he's protected. I'm, I'm taking the flyer on Punk. Uh, the rest of the card, real quick, before we move on, we have, let's see, Nick Lentz, Michael McBride. Nah, skip all that. Just yeah, go to the main card. Jessica I, though. Betch Correa. Which should yeah. be a good fight. Jessica I is going to get wrecked in her hometown. Uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think Betch is that good. I think Jessica's going to win this fight. Oh, shit. I- yeah, I, I've never thought I've never thought Bechtel was that good. I'll just be honest. Like her beating the four horsewomen is like the four horsewomen aren't that good. So no, that's very true. <laughs> you know, I, I think just guy wins this fight by decision. Um, you know, I don't know if it'll, it, I don't know if it'll be an ex- terribly exciting affair. But uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith. And right. even Betch went out on a limb was like, "I'll fight Cyborg." Okay, sure you will. Move yeah. on. I, I want anyone to fight Cyborg and get wrecked at this point. Uh, main card, great strawweight matchup: Jessica Andrade versus. Joanne Calderwood. Calderwood's looked great her past couple fights. She has. Um, I'm not sure if this is... I don't think it stops yet. I'm picking Calderwood to win. And it's close, though. Um, man. It's going to be one hell of a fight. Yeah, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Calderwood as well. Um, Calderwood, she's... First of all, I like her personality. Uh, you know, she's... Very soft-spoken, but she can fight. And the fact that she's only lost to uh, uh, Myrna Moreau's is says something. You know, she beat Valerie Retorno in a great fight, finished her in the third round. She's got stamina. 
Um, she's a little rough and rugged. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with a call to win this fight. And then we have Uriah Faber versus Jimmy Rivera. Faber wins. Faber beats anyone who's not a champion or soon to be champion. Yeah, well, here's the problem. As much as I, as I'm, I'm going to pick Faber to win, but Jimmy Rivera is extremely tough and supremely underrated. Like, people are just looking at this as a gimme fight for Uriah Faber to get him back on track. It's not that. Nobody wants to fight Jimmy Rivera for a reason. He's 19-1. and one. I think he only lost, like, his second or third professional fight. I think it was his second professional fight. He lost his, uh, yep, second professional fight. And since then, he's, you know, he fought on um, the, ulti- the ultimate fighter. He lost to Dennis Bermudez, but whatever. Can't make too much of that. But since then, he's been rolling. And... He's looked good in all his fights. So it's a huge step up fight in Uriah Faber. You just wonder, is Uriah deteriorating yet? Is it, are the skills deteriorating? I don't know. I'm still picking Uriah to win, but I think this might be a lot tougher fight than people anticipate. No, I, I agree. I mean, I just can't pick against Uriah until he loses to someone who isn't world championship caliber. No, I, I, if Jimmy I, Rivera wins, it'll say more about Jimmy than it does Uriah to me. Absolutely. Um, we already picked CM Punk versus Mickey Gall. We're split on that. I'm taking the flyer. Might have to put my money where my mouth is. Put, you know, nice little 20 on CM. Right. Uh, Verdum versus Travis Brown. There's no way in hell no, Travis yeah, Brown wins this fight. No surprise that, here, right? <laughs> no. no, I mean, Verdum has already beat Brown. Brown is one of those guys who we've watched over the years that has the talent, but has never just fully come full circle. And he's taken and, a step back since being Mr. Rousey. Yeah, and, and I mean... You know, he just got mauled against Cain Velasquez. And coming out into this fight on four weeks' notice because Ben Rothwell got injured, fighting Fabricio Verdun, who was the former champion, who, for all intents and purposes, lost the fight being an idiot. Running at Steve Bitt with his hands down got him knocked out. He doesn't make this mistake against Travis Brown. He, he's become a much better striker. His jiu-jitsu's always been great. And I think Verdun wins this fight. I just think, I don't know if it's a mental block with Travis Brown, but... I don't know if he's not getting the proper training. Um, he's with Edmund, you know, Rousey striking trainer, which I'm like, that doesn't help. I would but, definitely say that's not the proper training. Yeah, it's, it's like all these things that he ever, all these elements aren't necessarily working for Travis Brown. And I feel like Redoom finishes him off, maybe the second round, and you know, he gets closes back in on the title fight. I have Redoom first round knockout. Um, only thing I'm sad about is when Rothwell got pulled. I was really hoping to see Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, take this on four weeks' notice. That would have been fun, actually. This is the fights that these are the fights that you have to take and take the flyer on that can just propel you into the title picture like that. And I'm not sure if they even called Derek. It might be a tough fight for Verdum. Who knows if Verdum would have accepted that? Right. Um, not to you know to go against a guy like Derek, whose cardio is questionable, would have been cool on three, four weeks' notice for some people. But his power might be too scary without preparing for a guy for an entire camp. Who knows? True. True but I indeed. thought he should get this fight. This would have made it so much better, in my opinion. Um, but instead, Verdum does a little Verdum face and run through Travis Brown. Pretty much. Then knocks him out with a knee, just for flair. <laughs> uh, Stipe versus Overeem in the heavyweight championship match. Are we picking another upset? I, at this point, sometimes I just pick upsets for the sake of upsets. Because um, this has been like the craziest year in the UFC. Okay. I'm, I'm picking Steve A to win this fight. 
On paper, these guys are very identical. Both great strikers. Uh, Overeem's actually a little bit more accurate than Stipe. Stipe's got a better wrestling, but he doesn't really use it. He uses it against Mark Hunt. He could use it here, but I don't necessarily see him doing that. So here's my thing with Overeem. Overeem, since 2005, I'm, 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 somebody have to actually fact check, check this for me. He has lost nine fights, all of them by knockout. He does not go to a decision. Knockout, knockout. He does. Uh, knockout, knockout. Submission. Yeah, like he's it's not, he gets stopped. 2006, yeah, knockout, knockout. You are correct. When His he, last decision loss was to Big Nog in 2005, Pride 29. See, so, so my, my issue is, all right, so we're in a five-round fight. Yes. Steve Miocic, who's only been knocked out by Stefan Struve who has dynamite in his hands, who's been on an incredible roll as of late. And although Overeem has looked great, I'm curious what happens, you know, because we've seen Overeem start off fast and then just get knocked out. Bigfoot knocked him out. You know, I mean, you look at the guys who've knocked out Overeem. Travis Brown has knocked him out. You look at how they've knocked him out, when they've knocked him out, and Overeem gets knocked out usually around the second round. Something happens and he just gets knocked out. Five-round fight favors Smiocic heavily. Overeem could catch Miocic, but I just don't see it happening. And Overeem off the juice, because let's be honest, Overeem, when he had the crazy traps, you were like, yo, this dude is awesome. He was a monster. Super testosterone, Overeem. Yeah, his like, testosterone levels were like five times the normal human being. Right. So he was like super saiyan Overeem, and now he's not. He's just regular dude. He's like David. He's like Bruce Banner, not the Incredible Hulk. I was going to say, he's not even Goku at this point. He's Krillin. Yeah, and even though he knocked out Junior Dos Santos, the fact remains that Stipe's, you know, this is a five-round fight, and there's a target on that glass jaw. So I think Stipe's going to finish him. Um, I think it goes past two rounds, and maybe Miocic just wrestles him and grinds him a little bit, and then wears him down and just kind of flatlines him in the third or fourth. I'm picking Stipe, first-round knockout. I think the jaw doesn't even last that long. If I'm not mistaken... The last, what, seven title fights in the UFC have ended in first-round KOs? Damn, you might be, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, I'm not picking anything. If I'm a betting man, I'm going first-round KO on every fight I pick. If it's if there's a title involved at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just, with two, two great um, strikers, I just feel like they're going to negate each other for at least a round. But, yeah, I, I think the only one since April that didn't end in a first-round KO was Joanna. Well, yeah, you're on and Claudia, but everybody else is Everybody else, close. Mighty Mouse won first round KO, and Mighty Mouse usually doesn't finish anyone. Right. Uh, I'm not counting the stupid John Jones interim belt in that equation. But damn near everything else, first round KO, so I'll pick Stipe, first round KO. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I just, yeah. I like Overeem. I think Overeem is a great striker. I just, that, that, that jaw, man. <laughs> that, that shit is fragile. You can't train your jaw. And nah, once man. it goes, it goes. Nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. You can be as accurate as you want to be, but all it takes is one heavy weight punch to turn the lights out. So, lights That's out. It. Steve A defends at home. Big celebration in Cleveland. Um, before we take a quick break and get to boxing, there's one more card we have to kind of talk about. UFC 205 in New York City. Uh, hopefully, I'm out there. That is the plan, to run crazy through New York to see the first UFC um, fight in the city, which is going to be great, MSG. But the card's starting to come together. I expect, you know, some type of video, once again, to play during 203 to announce the main event. Um, we'll see 
if Ariel scoops him again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, outside of that, I, I feel like that's getting done. But we have some things already announced. So we have Robbie Lawler versus Cowboy Cerrone. That's, dude. If Cowboy kept telling me he wanted Eddie Alvarez, but I think this is just as good to, to fight Robbie, the former champion, because clearly if you win, you're in the title picture. So that fight, is there any way that's a bad fight? Is there Not any way humanly I mean, possible? Cowboy could take him down. Cowboys, <laughs> I mean, his submissions are really good. But I'm not sure if he's heavy enough or big enough to keep Robbie down. And then outside of that, Robbie's not ever going to shoot for the takedown. Yeah. So, so it's going to be, we're trading hands. Cowboy's going to throw craziness. Robbie's going to come in with elbows and flying shit. It's going to be amazing. Fight of the night. I wish it was five rounds. Yeah, like I'm here for it. Like whatever. I'm upset that it's only three rounds. Yeah, like whatever happens on the rest of this card, I'm like, oh, well, whatever. At least we got Lawler and, and Cerrone because, dude. Wow. Could steal, That's crazy. Could steal the whole night. Yeah. Um, Aya Quinta versus Alves. Mm. That, should be, that should be a good fight. They've been talking shit to each other for a while. Yeah, so. not an easy one for Al. No, not backyard. at all. No, not at all. Tiago has uh, always been an excellent fighter and a great striker, and he's done a lot of tremendous things in MMA. You remember? He, I mean, shit, he fought at UFC 100 against George St. Pierre. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Should, Who else do we have? Uh... I expect to see uh, the Funk Master on this. Well, yeah, Al if he's Sterling, I if he's healed up, he seems like um, from what I've talked to when I talked to him last, he was uh, healing up from his his surgery, so he's supposed to be ready to train in in a couple weeks, actually. So he should be on there. Um, has there been any word on Wyvern? Well, Romero went to IG, said he was signing papers. Romero Weidman, UFC two hundred five, and then swiftly deleted the post. Yeah. Maybe Chris hasn't signed his end, and you jumped the gun a bit. You know what? Sometimes being the first to sign doesn't mean the deal is done. True. It, it takes two sides to tango. I'm sure the USC offices called him and was like, "Yo, we're not even sure if Chris opened his mail yet. Like, let's <laughs> let's take this down. Give us time." Um, yeah. But that looks like that'll be the fight for Weidman. Which I mean, there's a report that Luke Rockhold was offered a fight. He turned it down because the money wasn't good enough. I'm wondering if this was the fight versus hmm. Weidman in New Could've York. Could have decided been. to model instead. I'm not sure what money he was expecting out of the fight. Um, probably, I, I guarantee you, whatever Luke saw you know, from these modeling contracts, he was like, oh, so I just got to walk down the runway and get paid this, and then I got to go get punched in my face and train for three months to get this? Nah, I'm going to take this. <laughs> like, I'm a former champion. At least... At least pay me something. So I'm, the dro- the drop off from you know when you're a champion and you're not a champion, you know it, it goes from 100 and 100 to like 25 and 25. If it was anything like that, yeah, I can see why Luke would, wouldn't want to fight. Yeah, Take you my- can't fight for 25, 25 anymore. Um, but I New York is going to be such an interesting card because that's one of the cards where I expect the co-main to try to garner pay-per-view points, and yeah. that's when it gets iffy. Like, you're ready, you got to give your main event pay-per-view points. If you're trying to stack your main event, let's say they're going after Connor versus Eddie. Yeah. And you got to give them both pay-per-view points, and you got to give Connor a ton of pay-per-view points. Can you give a co-main pay-per-view points? Is that why you choose a Lawler versus Cerrone? 
Because I mean, Cerrone, let's be honest, he's fighting for whatever he's fighting for. He upped his contract. He's not going to really request pay-per-view points. I'm not sure if he's ever gotten pay-per-view points. You know, the bottom line is it's not like the UFC is losing any money putting these cards together. They can spare a few dollars here and there. So, not, when, not when Connor's fighting. <laughs> I mean, they got to pay Connor, but if they can pay to the bank. You know, if, if, Connor, if they could pay Connor, they can afford it. So we'll see how this whole thing plays out. We still got a little bit of time between now and 205. Yeah, seems but. like the backup plan is Rumble versus DC, though, and I would love to see that. Yeah, uh, hopefully. But hopefully. They, looks they, like they're waiting on your boy, John Jones. Yeah, well. guy has nine lives. He does. It's sickening. <laughs> so let's take a quick break. Um, that wraps up our MMA portion for this week. We're going to throw it real quick. You guys are going to listen to a sponsor. When we come back, we're talking boxing. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. And if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, that was quick and easy. We're back to talk boxing. We haven't talked boxing, it feels like, in two months. Not anything worth any significance. I think we've pretty much run down boxing for the past couple months and been like, well, fuck this sport because it's shitty. But now we actually got something now. Yeah, this is the, the uptick. This is what we were looking forward to, the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm just not sure how hype I am now that it's here. So, okay, this weekend we have obviously the Kell Brook, Gennady Golovkin fight. Uh, Chocolatito versus Quadras. And there's actually Friday night we have Sergio Mora and uh, Danny Jacobs fighting. Which is so going to be th- a great fight. Not a, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I like their first fight. Yeah, I mean, it was surprising because Mora dropped Jacobs. That's what everybody got, caught everybody surprised. But I think a focus Danny Jacobs maybe um, knocks out Sergio Mora. I think he beats him, but I don't, you know, maybe he knocks him out. But granted, that means that there are three very, very, very intriguing fights. And, um, before we actually get into these predictions, I, I wrote a piece on Ring. I don't know if it's live yet. By the time people read this, it's live. The fact that these fights are free this weekend. Gennady's fighting Kell Brook in the O2 Arena in London, in, Kel, in Kell's backyard. I thought that was after. pay-per-view. You would think that, but it's not. It's oh. free television. And Quadras and Chocolatito are a free fight. It's a doubleheader. It makes you wonder what the fuck is wrong with boxing's pay-per-view model. 
Boxing's pay-per-view model makes no sense nowadays. Because if you can get... The best fights this year have all been free. Everything we've gotten has been free. Correct. Porter Thurman, Santa Cruz Frampton, uh, Vargas Alito. Like these, this is all free television. Pay-per-view has been nothing but gross mismatches. So, and, and, and with the except, or it's either a gross mismatch or a fight between two fighters who shouldn't be on pay-per-view. And I'm talking directly to uh, Terrence Crawford and Victor Postal, their fight. So if I can get Golovkin and Brooke and if I can get two of the top five pound-for-pound fighters in the world on free television, why would I pay for Canelo next week against Liam Smith, who nobody knows who he is? Boxing's pay-per-view model is completely busted. They need to implode the whole system, rework it, start over. I want to see like an early 90s wrestling model. Give me the big four every year. Showtime, you get spring and fall. Give HBO summer and winter. And you guys stack those pay-per-views. Then give us the other shit for free. I, I just, like... Like, just could that... you imagine all the big PBC fights on one huge fall pay-per-view? That's, that, see, that's what makes a lot of sense to me. I don't understand why they're not... I, I get it because it's boxing politics and egos and all this other bullshit, but... That shit's dude, outdated. It, yeah, it is. It is. UFC put out the model. Give five really, really good fights, and people will pay for it. You're going to pay these people anyway. You're going to pay them to damn near lose you money. Cough, cough, HBO, where now you have to... They're pulling stuff so you can't even give, give free television. It's like... PBC damn near might be broken. We don't even know it. <laughs> The, and, and the other thing is, you know, people was like, oh, well, you know, you know, side feed, blah, blah, blah. But like you can like Golovkin Brook, like what you could have done potentially could have put Canelo Smith, Golovkin Brook and Chocolatito Quadras on the same pay-per-view card. Same card. And now, throw in was, someone else who's really dope. I mean, HBO, you don't even, like you don't even have to. You don't put, even have to. Put you Tim can, Bradley on a comeback fight. But I'm saying, like, you don't even have to. Those three fights alone, three, three very, very good fights. And then people are like, well, those are, you know, they're not headlining. No, do a split site pay-per-view. Just, you can do Canelo in, in, in uh, Liam Smith at AT&T if you really want to. But then you, maybe you move Quadras and, and uh, Chocolatito to there, too. And leave Brook and Golovkin at the O2. But the only way that you're going to build anticipation for big fights is if you feature the fighters that are supposed to be fighting on the same card. So when you have, if you have Canelo fighting Smith and Golovkin Brook, which I, I get the argument now is who's the headliner, which it should be Golovkin Brook, but they're going to say Canelo's the bigger quote unquote star. Yeah, Canelo a headline. It, you know, we've seen that shit happen in UFC fights too. Yeah, I mean it happens, but it's the only way that the bo- the public is going to get a chance to see what's going to happen before these two fight. Like, give them a taste. Like, there's no reason why Andre Ward. And Sergey Kovalev shouldn't have been on the same card leading up to their November 19th fight. Like, this, you have to build these fighters. And that could have been on free television. That's fine to build to the pay-per-view. Give me a reason to want to buy your pay-per-view. Because Canelo Smith isn't doing it for me. And then Pacquiao Vargas definitely isn't doing it for me. And all the resources should be pulled towards Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev, their pay-per-view. Everybody should be paying attention to that pay-per-view and that only. No other fight, none of these fights should be a pay-per-view except for that one. It makes no sense. And, yo, these boxing promoters think, think money grows on trees and the same model from the 70s is going to 
uphold. It's not. To be real, you put whatever you want on pay-per-view, half the world is streaming it anyway. Yeah. It's like it's, it's disgusting. We call a spade a spade. Like you gotta give people a reason to spend real money. Cause if not, you can stream stuff. At this point, people buy things to be loyal and a little bit out of comfort. Like I don't want to watch it on my laptop. I want to watch it on my 70-inch TV. Right. But it's still gotta be good for them to make that decision. It's just it doesn't make any sense, man. Like like on our group chat, you know, everybody thought this fight was pay per view, and I'm, I remember I looked at it and I didn't respond because I was doing something else, and I was like, no, it's on free television. I mean, HBO is a premium channel, but still free television. Like you get to watch two of the best pound for pound fighters in the world on free television, and the next week you get to watch a guy who's popular but not a pound for pound fighter. You got to pay fifty, sixty dollars to see him fight a bum, and I don't want to necessarily call Smith a bum, but he's in way over his head in this fight. And it doesn't even have a great undercard to make you think, well, maybe, you know, there's a couple of good fights in the undercard. It doesn't even have that. Like, come on, man. Boxing, the pay-per-view model is completely busted. There's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't make sense. And all it's doing is hurting the sport. Because why, the, like, the pay-per-views for Ward Kovalev are going to be terrible because the surrounding pay-per-views and the fact that not so much Bob Aaron, but Oscar De La Hoya sells, tries to sell us on these pay-per-views like they're going to be great. Like, dude, these fights are not going to be fun to watch. Like, Con Canelo... A fool would know that Canelo's going to knock out Khan. Why are you paying money for this? This should have been on free television. These gross mismatches. Like, Gennady Golovkin, Kell Brook is, more, is going to be more competitive on paper. It might not be actually in the ring when Golovkin puts his hands on him. But on paper, that's more competitive than Khan and Canelo. Because Canelo weighed like 20 pounds more than Khan. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we saw them go face-to-face yesterday. And... It didn't look like there was a huge size difference between Triple G this was, and Kell Brook. Okay. We're, we're done talking about the pay-per-view model. Let's talk about this fight. And the fact that Kell Brook has weighed more than Gennady Golovkin every step of the way heading into this fight. What does that mean? Yo, uh, it means, one, it's interesting because I feel Triple G is one of the only fighters that fights at like his natural weight. Especially now that Mayweather's gone. Um, Pacquiao's gone. He fights at like his natural weight. He doesn't go down. He doesn't go up. But to see Kell Brook be bigger than him every step of the way makes me think, why did Triple G never consider just cutting down to 147 and being the best fighter in the world? Well, because he likes to be fight at his natural weight. <laughs> like- yeah, I mean, I understand you don't want a weight cut, blah, blah, blah. But could you imagine the monster he'd be at 147? It'd be fright. I mean, it'd be frightening, and uh, you know, and that's that's kind of a problem with boxing is that it would be frightening to have somebody like Triple G try to cut down to one forty seven. I don't. He Abel Sanchez told me a long time ago that like when we were at at uh, Big Bear and I was spending time with Triple G, is that he was like, you know, we try to do it for Floyd, but one fifty that's gonna be tough. But he just doesn't cut weight. He fights at what he is, and that keeps him strong. Um, but dude. Kell Brook looks huge, and I don't. I don't know how that affects you in the ring. Your first fight, a middleweight, you're gonna think, "Well, I'm bigger, I'm stronger now." But that condition is gonna be a bitch, and that body might be soft. <laughs> and if the body is soft, you done fucked up. <laughs> That's it. You uh, Triple G's biggest advantage is the body blows. I don't know why you would just get mad, soft and squishy. Yeah, I mean, he could. Kell Brook could be soft. I just, you know, putting on that much. Whether it's muscle, whether it's fat and muscle, whether it's just fat. We saw what it did to McGregor. Right. It, it slows you down. It ruins your conditioning. 
Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean you can take a better punch, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're stronger. You know, with the exception of Manny Pacquiao, guys who move up in weight don't get stronger. They don't knock people out. It just doesn't happen. Um, and Manny did that all natural, by the way. Let's put that out there. <laughs> uh, you said it. You said it, not me. Um, but yeah, with this fight, Gennady Golovkin, uh, I don't give Kelbrook much of a chance. As good as Kelbrook has been, I think this might be fun and competitive for a few rounds. But I think once Gennady starts laying hands on Kelbrook and Kelbrook realizes that he's never been hit by a train before, you know, it's hard to adjust to get hit by a train. You can brace yourself all you want, but the train's coming. So he's gonna grab. He's gonna grab and hold. I, I've gonna, seen the game plan. Yeah, it's the Sean Porter game plan. He gets close enough. I'm gonna wrap up and grab. The ref's gonna break us up. I'm gonna hit him with two jabs. Dance around, wrap up and grab, break up two jabs. And at the end of it, you look and be like, "Damn, there's a discrepancy in punches landed." It's like, yeah, yeah it, it works. He just doesn't survive that long because he's gonna have to eat something coming inside. Because Gennady's a much better boxer than Sean Porter, and his footwork is superior. And when Gennady gets you in any type of trouble, he has no problems finishing you off. I've never seen Gennady in a fight yet. We had somebody in trouble and didn't finish them off. Like he, his, the way he steps forward after he cracks you, it's like you have no choice but to crumble. So if, if Kel Brook decides to try to fight this fight inside, and I feel like Gennady's going to allow Kel Brook to hit him a couple times to see what he has and be like, oh, all right, figured him out. That is a damn shame if he does. He will. Because, I mean, again, Gennady Golovkin got hit by guys like Curtis Stevens, you know, David Lemieux, and it, it didn't... It didn't even phase him. And these are guys who were knocking people out. Curtis Stevens is, is, a, is a heavy hitter. David Lemieux the same, and they couldn't even phase him. What's Kell Brook going to do? Who had no power at 147. That's what I'm saying. Like, what, what's he going to do? Gennady's going to allow him to hit, get, hit him a couple times. And then he's, if, if Kell Brook, if it gets good to Kell Brook, he's like, ooh, he's letting me hit him. And then Gennady's going to counter him and fuck him up and ruin his life. <laughs> he might go down to 147 and not be the same. What a hell of a gamble for a paycheck. True. Um, so official prediction, Triple G then? Triple G, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it goes, I'm going to say seven, um, being optimistic here. I'm going to say that Triple G carries him to seven and then just completely wipes him out. I'm going to go Triple G in five, three knockdowns yeah. before the TKO. Okay. Well, I, he doesn't knock his block off. He doesn't get like Amir Khan where he's like dead fishing it in the middle of the ring. But I, I think the ref has mercy and stops it. So we get the TKO after yeah. three knockdowns. And those are pretty those bad. When you, when you ruin somebody with punches and you don't just knock them out cold, when you ruin somebody, that's pretty telling of your power. Anybody can catch a lucky shot and put you to sleep. But when you just are just ravaging somebody's their inner being and like moving their lungs to their back, that's what Gennady does. So, yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, nothing gets worse than that Canelo Amir Khan. No, I mean, that was, the, the, that was a... The memes yeah. were just glorious that night. Ridiculous, ridiculous. So then also we have uh, Chocolatito moving up uh, to face Quadros, looking for another world title to be the first Nicaraguan to win another title in a, weight, in a different weight class. Um, and, and Quadros is actually a really good fighter. If anybody's ever seen him before, he's unbeaten, a Mexican fighter. He can box well. He's not a really hard puncher. Um, but we have to see how, you know, uh, Roman Gonzalez's power translates. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a problem here. I don't either, but I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the question. Bigger fighter, and he's working his way up to the money fights, which is yeah. something I'm glad to see. Yeah, well, he kind of has to at this point. He's too good. Because what, money fights are 125, 127? Yeah, I mean, you go to 127, you go, you go up from there, and you know, they start looking at guys like Frampton up there and everybody else. It's like, there, there's, I don't know how much Chocolatino Santa can Cruz. Throw. 
Yeah, I don't know how much bigger uh, Chocolatito can get naturally without, you know, I don't know how much weight he cuts, uh, to be honest. I've never questioned anybody in this camp about his weight cut. But, you know, this is what he's going to have to do. His, his march up in weight, it's expected. He's, he's the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter that nobody's ever really watched before. So hopefully a lot of people will get to watch him. I heard the forum sold a lot of tickets for this fight. And, uh, yeah, I'm picking Chocolatito. I think he'll stop him in, like, nine Um he could ruin him earlier because he, he punches that hard. He's also an excellent body puncher. And he's got a rock hard chin. And I don't think there's nothing Quadras can really do to stop Chocolatito from knocking him out. No, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. I, I tell you that much. So um, we'll see. Chocolatito, another great stage for him. It, it's cool that he's not on the undercard anymore. He's headlining his own fight. Yeah, well for, deserved. For all purposes. So they did well it right in the split venue, all that stuff. Perfectly done. Um, that takes us pretty much out of boxing. We got a little bit more wrestling to talk to before talk about before we get out of here. So we'll throw the people to the sponsors. You guys, make sure you guys support the corner. Um, hit us up, do that survey. It really helps us out. We're trying Pie to get mattress. more sponsors. Yeah, Pie get a mattress. mattress. Sleep use, well. Use our code. Like do 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 everything to keep keep our lights on because obviously without you guys we aren't going to be here. And you know, in order for us as sponsors to fund this show for, to keep going. We got to move some stuff that we're advertising. So if you're moving into a new new home and you need a mattress, go buy one. And we'll talk about it in this little break. Yep. Support the movement. We'll be back to talk wrestling. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air it's that great and this is how we get our sleep so you guys make sure that you check it out casper mattresses are made in the usa and have free shipping and returns to the u.s and canada shout out to the great north you can buy your casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk-free look dude you spend like a third of your life sleeping and casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. All right, we are back. Well-rested because of the mattresses. Shout out to the sponsors. Um, We're here to talk wrestling. It's a big week in wrestling. Probably the biggest thing was Battle of Los Angeles that we'll talk about later. But a lot of stuff is happening in the world of WWE. Cruiserweight Classic is winding down and for the first time i'm not exactly sure what's gonna happen yeah this is um i think we touched on this briefly last week the fact that Co- neither koto abushi or zach saber jr have been actually added to the cruiserweight roster there's like a cruiserweight roster that's been floating around it makes you wonder if they've signed deals and zach saber jr is still the pwg champion so all purposes all signs point at him staying on the indies Right, so it looks like he can stay on the Indies. Cody Abusi, I'm not sure. But the two guys, you know, TJ Perkins and uh, who else won? Oh, shit. Oh, uh, Grand Metallic. 
are two guys who are going to be on the Cruiserweight roster who could win this tournament. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of intrigue. And, 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 and watching the matches yesterday, which I thought were really they were really good again. Um, Noam Dar and uh, Zack Sabre Jr., that's, that was pretty crazy, man. I like Zach, that match better than I thought I would. Yeah, I mean, Zack's selling um, was, was pretty good. The, you know, the injuries to the knees and the arms and how he finished them with whatever the hell that was. It's become a Zack Sabre trademark. When he does something, you're like, who the fuck does that? But, um, <laughs> Don't even, can't even name shit anymore. Yeah, that match and the, the, the Swan-TJ Perkins match, TJ Perkins has been the dark horse, man. I like TJ, but I didn't expect him to get this far. I didn't think he was going to get past Gargano. No, me either. That was a great upset. Um, Swan was kind of their dude, being in developmental. I thought he'd get the push. Nope, TJ Perkins, going along. And he has a lot of personality. He has a lot to sell. To me, that flair will carry over to the main roster when he has to go to Raw. He's a guy I can see kind of surpassing some of these other names. Yeah. Yeah, so who is your pick to win the, the CWC at this point? I'm going to stay with Ibushi. Okay. And, and Kota, I don't know. It's hard to pick against him at this point. To me, he has that star quality. He's shown it from the beginning. They gave him a great push. Really explained his history. But now he, they're just kind of letting fans get used to him. Um, I'm not sure if he's main roster ready. I think if he signs, he signs an NXT deal so that he can, you know, learn English. He can uh, kind of get a character and more personality going forward. I, I think they would love for everyone to be Shinsuke Nakamura, but they aren't right out the gate. So I think he needs that developmental time. And NXT has some great rivalries for him. He could come in. He can face Aries. He can face, you know, other guys his size. I don't Throw him against Ty Dillinger, whoever it may be for his first thing. Um, Cian Almas, who just keeps losing every week. Yeah. <laughs> put, him against, <laughs> put him against, you know, guys he can go with and learn and then bump him up to the Cruiserweight title picture. Because whenever he gets to Raw, if he does sign, whenever he gets to Raw, it'll have the effect of he was Cruiserweight champion. Same thing if Zack Sabre Jr. wins. He can always sign later, and the title of Cruiserweight Classic champion is always with him. And it's an instant push. So there's, I'm not sure if the urgency is there to sign these guys into the main roster. So Abushi's my pick. Um, I'm sticking with Saber because of kind of the reasons that you outlined. And I think that Saber is just, he's just such a unique talent. It's hard. It's, I picked him in the beginning. I can't pick against him. Um, but if we're talking about the business of things, and if you're talking about this uh, – Cruiserweight Classic winner going on to compete for the Cruiserweight title on Raw in a couple weeks. Um, I, don't think I don't know if they'll actually compete for the title on Raw. Then it makes sense that they go with TJ Perkins um, because he does have a great deal of personality. Uh, his moveset is great. He's, it seems like he could be a hit with a lot of people. Um, a match with him and Neville could be excellent. So from the business side of things, if, if there's no, no immediate plans for Ibushi or Zack Sabre Jr. to join the main roster – then I suggest that they go with T.J. Perkins. Unfortunately, that means Grand Metal is the odd man out. Because I'm just like, how did he get this far? Which is not to say anything really bad against him. He's a good wrestler. But, you know, Abushi, Perkins, and Sabre, I feel like are leaps and bounds ahead of Grand Metal in terms of their popularity. But they um, may be looking for that singles, Lucha Libre type yeah. wrestler. Just they want to sell masks. Can, can we stop? Because they didn't sell Kalisto. shit with Kalisto. Well, yeah. I mean, Kalisto should have been in the Cruiserweight division. He should have been on Raw. 
I don't understand how the hell they still messed this up. Yo, where is Kalisto? <laughs> I'm not sure if he's still on the roster. Uh, yo, he's buried on SmackDown. Just, just some. Everyone gets run on SmackDown. No, not him. But yeah, so I, I'm gonna stick with with Saber. Um, but I mean, all that being said, Cruiserweight Classic has been the best television that we've had uh, from WWE programming. You know, we had a great Raw. After the brand split, and we, and we had a great we had a great main event last week. But from front to back, the CWC just we just haven't had a bad show. It's no, been- not at all. They they broke it up. The brackets were evenly matched. Every week we had a big name headliner. Uh, as far as indie fans are concerned, the casual fans are getting into it. The network loves it. They they did it right. Um, it's after NXT, so the NXT fans just stick around for it. Great placement. I can't complain. Um, I'm glad that it's coming to an end, though, because Lucha Underground started, and maybe I can work that back into my Wednesdays. Man, I'm so behind. I think I'm like five episodes in the season two. I got some catching up to do. Oh, yes. End of season two was dope. Yeah, I had to catch up. So we can't... We, unfortunately, guys, we can't talk about it. You guys are going to be like, why? I thought you were a Sorry, I can't watch this much fucking wrestling. Like, I'm really <laughs> trying. I'm really trying, but I got other things that I do. Um, um, so, yeah, that's, that's what's coming up there. And nothing really to talk about NXT this week. No. Solid show. Uh, Ember Moon hit her finisher again. Everyone loves that <laughs> shit. <laughs> Ember Moon. Ooh. That was about it. Uh, Sienna Almas lost again. Yeah, he stinks. And Oscar's interview was very um, um, edited, heavily edited. It felt like the uh, the Oscar interview was like, all right, cut. No, Oscar, that's not what it means in English. Like, it, dude, she's <laughs> she's so charming, but her English is like not there yet. No, but, don't don't let her speak. I like just menacing. Yeah, yeah with I a understand smile. she has a championship now and she can't like chase and just be creepy in the background. But so what? That's what I still want. Just have her always wear the little mask and nod. Ask her yes <laughs> or no questions and just nod. Yeah, It'd be like, so I'm, dope. I'm all for it. All right, so let's move on to Raw because uh, we're going to talk Raw SmackDown in this backlash pay per view. Um, so it's the first. So I felt like Raw started off great. It's clear that we're getting a Seth Rollins face turn. Uh, he's a baby face, but he still has a shitty attitude like he did before. It just seem, doesn't seem like he's going to be whining as much. Um, Owens, who did an excellent job of flipping the crowd over because all of you deserve a chance. Although they were well-intended, Owens just knows how to make fans hate him. He's it's perfect. Perfect flip. It was so natural. He's, oh, he's good. He's so good. Um, so the show started off hot, and then it sucked. By hour three, Raw was terrible. Yeah, but I couldn't make it through the hour and a half condensed version. <laughs> I was fast forwarding already, dude. So, so it had to be rough in real time. So let's see. We had um, obviously Kevin Owens, who it seems like he's going to be facing Seth Rollins and maybe Roman Reigns. Um, so Reigns is facing who's he facing? Is he facing Owens next week to get in that match? Is that what he's doing? He's I facing can't. Owens or facing Jericho? I feel Somehow like Jericho is involved in this. I feel like somehow it's going to end up being Reigns versus Jericho at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. I don't think that Reigns will be involved in this triple threat match. Um, I don't think it makes any sense for him to be involved in this triple threat match. Jericho needs something to do. And Quiet has kept, you know, we, I know there was a couple months that we spent on this show kind of talking shit about Jericho. But he's been pretty good at putting guys over and making things feel more important. Because his promo work has been good. Well, maybe even better than good. He's been, you know, the drinking in man, and you're going to get it. Like, him and Owens are great together. Um, 
So I feel like that's the right way to go with the Reigns and Jericho program because you got it's just it doesn't make sense to put Reigns near the belt right now. No, and Reigns has been losing a, a little yeah. bit too much now. Like now it's time to build him back up. Now he can beat a couple guys. Just don't have Jericho go over on Reigns. Yeah, and just crush oh, him for life. What there's a couple. Of, okay, so here's what sucked about the show, and I, I have to really think and look through my notes to see what was good about it. But what sucked about the show is. Why did we get Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn again? I feel like if there was any hope of them doing a ladder match, you know, for the title in some in the future, they just kind of killed all the momentum with giving us a meaningless Owens Zayn match at Raw, where Owens wins clean. I, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand what they're doing with Sami Zayn, and now I feel more than ever that Sami Zayn should be campaigning to get SmackDown. Well, I think Sami Zayn has to be the one chasing. He has to be the underdog. And him winning against Owens the last time, the last time they faced off, left no, no narrative. So he had to lose at some point again. I don't think so, man. I think, I think they could have worked. Okay. Because everything was botched. You know, after, after Zayn won, he got like a meaningless tag match on the pre-show of SummerSlam. So the, I felt like the wise thing to do was to keep Zayn away from Owens. And then when it seems like Owens doesn't have an opponent, have Zayn remind him, I beat you last, and then enter that program. But to have Zayn beat Owens in a, in, in a Labor Day show that's only meant to warm up for the next pay-per-view, which Zayn won't be a part of the title picture, it just cools us off on anything Zayn-related because Zayn hasn't done shit since he, he beat Owens at Battleground. So this is like there's two months where Zayn hasn't done anything but lose. He lost to Rollins. He lost to Owens. So to try to say, it's almost like the Ziggler factor. To try to say, okay, well, now it's time for you to enter this picture. Well, you need some kind of momentum. That's why it was hard for people to believe Ziggler could beat Dean Ambrose because he just lost too much and he was forgotten. So, Yeah, I, just, I feel like he may end up being Raw's version of Dolph Ziggler, which is sad. Terrible. It's not a great place for him. That, I mean, that's better than that. Yeah, absolutely terrible. He could have had the Daniel Bryan run. Okay. I want to get your opinion on the Sasha Banks segment where she duped everybody into this injury and then beat the shit out of Danny Brooke. Because that's Bay for you. I want to know what you thought. Um, one, I'm happy anytime Bay is on television. She looked great and amazing. Uh, now it's just she's in a tough spot because she was injured. It turned out not to be you know, a major injury. She's back already. But now Bailey is cemented in this feud. What do you do with Bailey? Like, I would like to see Bailey go against Charlotte for a month, maybe two months. Build that. And it seems like they're just throwing Sasha right back into the narrative, and Bailey's going to be the odd woman out. And with Dana Brooke, I mean, she's just there to get beat up on. All right. Like, I, I don't feel that it's necessary. If, if Sasha was coming back, insert her straight into the main event picture, you know, have her be in Bailey's corner. Um, perfect setup. For I don't give a damn Sasha, NXT style heel Sasha, come through and cost Bailey the championship. Hmm. Say, Bailey, I this is still my belt. You can't win it. I should have been in this match. Cost Bailey the championship. Then still put Charlotte in the finisher, and then just walk away like you're a boss. Like no one can stop me. Perfect time to do the heel turn. Should have been bought back at the pay-per-view to do that. This, to me, was unnecessary. There's still time to make that move, though. 
if you're going to turn Sasha heel like she should be, this is the time. Do okay. it against Bailey. Cost Bailey the belt. So, this is my dilemma. My dilemma is is a roster depth. This is a this is where we looked at the women's roster on Raw, and you need a Becky Lynch right now for this for this particular roster. The Sasha Banks promo, while you know it felt heartfelt, you kind of had a feeling where it was coming. And I've gotten to the point where these fake retirement speeches, they need to stop doing this shit. <laughs> because all it does at a certain point is if, you know, the next wrestler shows up with a real broken net. Like if Finn Balor were to show up next week with a retirement speech, and why the fuck would I believe him? Because it's just they're, you're really playing with people's emotions is absolutely unnecessary. Like I don't understand. Like everything that Sasha did was because it wasn't the Mark Henry retirement speech, which was the most the salmon jacket retirement speech. It will go down in history as one of the best when he turned on Cena that night. Um, but for Sasha, it just felt pointless. Like you, we just saw you on television. You were just, just talking shit to Charlotte, and we had an inkling you were coming back. So why go through this whole you know, especially in in the way that Sasha can deliver this emotion, like pull away you know the boss persona and put on the Sasha Banks I love pro wrestling persona and make us feel like you're feeling something and then be like haha no I fooled you it's kind of a dick move you know what I'm saying like it's kind of a dick move and if you're gonna he'll turn Sasha he'll but, turn but let's it, go but the fact that the, the, the women's roster lacks so much depth like lacks any depth makes it problematic because it's like now Sasha's back it, the true thing is what do you do with Becky I mean with a with Bailey, I mean, do you inject her into a triple threat this soon? Because now you're running the risk of just pretty much exhausting all your great matches in a matter of a couple in like two months, because you have three excellent women's wrestlers at the top of the raw roster, but after that you have nothing, and if they can't just keep wrestling each other every day, you're like they're just and this is why I keep going back. Like the women should have been on Raw and the tag team should have been on SmackDown. We need more matchups. We need more things for Bailey to do. Bailey doesn't like Dana. Dana Brooks shouldn't be in anywhere near this program, but she will be in some way, shape, or fashion. It's stupid. Like I, I would just, I didn't like how they played this entire thing. Yeah, it's weird. Dana Brooke. Sooner or later, Dana Brooke has to enter into the program with Charlotte, right? Charlotte I guess- smacks her. She's like being mistreated. That has to be a program sooner or later when Charlotte drops the belt. Um, to have Sasha take the belt and get a meaningful feud afterwards it has to be against Bailey, which Sasha would have to be heel. And you see how like the, the, the turnover is so quick. It's like you're going to exhaust all the, the matchups and all the title holders by the Royal Rumble. This is why we shouldn't have a pay-per-view every month for each brand. Well, yeah, that's it the It should other be part. every two months, and it would be a longer build. Such a nice, slow play. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the roster depth is is truly an issue for the women because you know there's a big gap between the, the best and then everybody else. Um, what else sucked on Raw? Oh, the old day segment that sucked. Why are we doing this with Gallows and Anderson? Why aren't these guys just killing people instead of? I mean, I get it. Gallows I didn't Anderson, mind. I didn't mind the old day segment. <laughs> That's just, pretty funny. I just don't understand what we're doing with Gallows and Anderson because the whole concept of them being a pretty significant tag team, like one week they're beating the shit out of the Dudleys for reasons that we still don't know to this day. And then the next week they're calling them, they're, you know, they're trying to run jokes. And, and I guess it's the way to keep them relevant, but they can wrestle. So why can't they just wrestle? Why can't they just Because you need up the a character. Thing? That's the WWE. Yeah, but these these I mean these segments every week. I mean the old farts and then like the 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 ring postitis. 
you know, to do them every week is kind of boring. Like you, I think the thing that Gallows and Anderson are missing what they what they kind of originally had when they first showed up was they were an imposing force. They came and put their finisher down and was just like, we're here. When they beat the shit out of the Usos, they felt imposing. Now they just kind of feel like another tag team. And not another tag team in the sense that, you know, there's like the fucking, um, the shining stars. But I mean another tag team in the sense that they're not as, they don't look like a real threat to the New Day. Like when... um, Well, when they came in, they were part of a faction. So they didn't have to do all this stuff to remain relevant. They always had a head guy. They were... We all thought they were being bought from New Japan to be accessory pieces. Yeah, now there's just... no one to be an accessory for. Finn is hurt. AJ's on SmackDown. You got to carry yourself. But this isn't car- this isn't carrying them. Like that's that's my point. It's like this feud with the New Day. If it doesn't result in them getting the tag titles, they they could turn into the Vaude villains in a couple of months. And that's not what I want to see because they can wrestle. So you got to give them something to do in the ring. Other than stupid, you know, promos calling people old farts and shit. Like, they have to wrestle. They like so I don't know. I didn't like that. Um I didn't like the Nia Jax segment. Did they show that on Hulu? Because it was so bad. I didn't Not- see the Nia Jax segment. Okay. So you had the Nia Jax squashing some girl who this girl got in some some offense and it, apparently she's Alicia Fox's girl friend. Um and like actual girlfriend? No, no, like their homegirls, whatever. Oh, okay. So, Fo- so I was Foxy- like, oh, I didn't know Foxy was <laughs> was down for the cause. Okay. So Fox checks on her in the locker room post match, and then she comes out, runs into Nia Jax, and then Fox goes into you remember Crazy Fox that when she was nuts wearing yeah. Jay hat. So she goes into this like craziness, which is she isn't selling it. It's not really believable. Nia Jax is just staring at her. And Alicia Fox like grabs like a box off the table in a crazy fit and, and attempts to like fling it in the air and it smacks Nia Jack like right between the eyes. Hard. <laughs> and when it happens, you can see Alicia Fox go, because it's live television, it wasn't recorded. You can see her go, ooh, like, like shit, I didn't mean to hit you like that. Like she stalls for a minute and tries to grab pick herself up. And Nia just no sells everything and kind of like, I guess the segment ends. But it was just like I'm watching this segment like. Yo, y'all don't even know what y'all doing with Nia Jax anymore. Because now she's about to feud with Alicia Fox? Like, ugh. Like, we don't even see Alicia Fox do anything in the ring. I mean, that's all they got, right? Roster death. <laughs> Yo, they split it. We're going to talk about SmackDown in a second. There's six women vying for a title. I can't see five and a half of them holding. Yeah. This, this is ridiculous. And then, I mean, damn, I'm just talking about things I didn't like. Darren Young and Titus O'Neil continue in a feud. I don't understand why. Why? Roster depth. That's why. They got, they got to do something with this this time. When the Cruiserweights come, thankfully, some of this shit will get pushed off. Um, and then the Shining Stars beat Enzo and Big Cass. So Big I Cass, don't understand that. This so is like Big, three straight losses. Big Cass goes from being in the main event picture last week to losing to the Shining Stars in a tag match? Don't understand. I don't understand what's going on here. And... The Shining Stars, it would have meant something the Shining Stars had beat anybody beforehand. All they did, they had like a squash match when they first came back. But other than that, this was, dude, this was all in all a pretty bad Raw. Like, there was, there was just a little glimmer of hope with Kevin Owens' celebration and Seth Rollins with a babyface turn and laying the seeds for what could, what's to come. But outside of that, man. It went downhill fast. Real fast. It wasn't good. <laughs> like, it didn't catch my attention. I really could have watched the first 20 minutes and just been good. Ugh, and turn the TV anyway. off. Three hours is a... 
still painstakingly long. It is, man. You're not giving me any reason to keep watching with you. Like you're really putting out their filler material. It's and then I mean, like Cesaro lost to Sheamus, and then I know Cesaro won on Wednesday in London, and an untelevised match was like three to one. So everything's built for Cesaro to come back and be Sheamus in his best seven series. But it's like, dude, three hours of Raw is just a really long time. And when you're just giving us a bunch of programs that aren't really exciting, it's like, all right, well, yep. they're gonna make Darren Young great again with yeah. these three hours. Just so it's tough for you. Let's, no, fuck that. Let's talk about SmackDown. Oh, uh, yes. SmackDown, um, Ambrose versus Styles. It's going to headline the pay-per-view. To me, it has no heat. Yeah, as they... good as Styles versus Cena was, this shit is the complete opposite of a build. This is a... Uh... I'm not excited at all about this match. I'm not invested in who's going to win. I, I don't know why they have beef. I, I'm very confused. I don't know... Why we haven't pulled the trigger on heel Dean Ambrose yet? I really don't like face Dean Ambrose. Like I, I think everything he does is kind of meaningless now. And like the nut shot last week and the nut shot this week, like that's how you build to a pay per view. Like I need to see somebody. I need to see Dean Ambrose become unhinged and just do heinous shit in yes. the ring. You know, that's what I need to see. Like this- that's what everyone wants to see. That's what Stone Cold was caping up for. I, I the hell with this. Like. Come on. I don't understand. Like, this build, like, it could turn out to be a pretty good match. But I'm, I don't know if a lot of people agree with me. Dean Ambrose hasn't put on, like, a great match in a long time. It's been a while. You know, it's like he does, he has the same trigger of movesets. I would like to say since him versus Rollins feud last summer. That's what I'm thinking. And that's around the time that I'm thinking. Maybe, maybe, well, the Kevin Owens, um, what was that? Was that a last man standing match? Nah, I think. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't even remember that, so I can't be that great. Um, well, so it's like he's the champ. He had but one good match against Bray that I was th- like, okay, that's dope. But these, like, you know AJ Styles is, like, AJ Styles needs to win the title, first and foremost. He needs to. He's just it's too time. Yeah, it's, it's time. Yeah, it's, it's time. He's just too good. And there's no really no denying AJ Styles at this point. To have, to have a heel champion on Raw and SmackDown is probably the smartest thing to do right now. But AJ Styles' talent is there. Dean Ambrose is just, he's not convincing as champ. He's too laid back. He's too I don't care. It's it's not fun. So this whole build has been yeah stupid. And yeah, I'm gonna watch the pay per view. And I'm probably not gonna watch the pay per view live because I really don't care about this pay per view. Because I'm having a hard time figuring out how a two hour weekly show of SmackDown is gonna result in a three hour pay per view. I'm very confused. Hopefully, there's no pre show either. Yeesh. Who do they have wrestled the pre show? I don't know. And maybe that's where you see your boy Kalisto. Like he just pull him out of nowhere, pull him out of hat. That sucker! <laughs> like, <laughs> damn. No, nah, I don't. I don't know, man. It's it's football time too. You got to give me a reason to watch this live. Yeah, it's, this doesn't make any. On the West Coast, it starts at five. This prime football hours. Like so. so Yo, I'm so, watching it on Monday. That's it. I'm watching it Monday morning. I ain't even gonna lie to the people. I can't turn from opening weekend of the NFL. To SmackDown backlash papers. Yeah, I can't. Like, I can't. I might like watch it on my laptop or like my my Kindle or whatever while I got because fo- I gotta watch football. Fantasy football starts. Like, I'm fo- I'm all in on football. But usually, you know, during the night, I can't remember what the Sunday night game is this week. But usually, if there's a pay per view, I'd be like, all right, fuck it, I'm gonna watch wrestling and I'll, and I'll click back and forth just to check on the scores. Not this time. I'm just not sold on this pay per view. And now we have the injury to the American Alpha. 
who now, the, the, the more that American Alpha wrestle on SmackDown, the more I'm like, whoa, this might have not have been a good idea. Because they're not gen- generating anything on SmackDown, really. None at all. And they were expected to come in and just carry the division on SmackDown. Not happening. No. Now they're, and now Gable's hurt, and now they're out of the pay-per-view? Oof. That's it's rough. You, I, I'm assuming all plans were to put the belt on them right Had away. So now you got heel Usos. Um which is the other thing that happened on SmackDown. So that's the Usos going to get the title run? No, it's going to be Heath Slater and Rhino. No. It's got to be. God, it's no. Be. It's God got, no, no, no. It has to be. I, okay, I understand the great work Heath Slater's been doing. It can't be, man. It, that's it, like the golden has. truth winning the titles. Yeah, but it, it has to be. Because the hype bros, fuck no. And they're wrestling the Usos on this pay-per-view. There's only six matches at this pay-per-view, by the way, that have been announced. But I just can't. Like, the heels, Usos winning... I mean, I guess I could see it. So American Alpha has something to chase when they come back. Yes, please. but but man, this Give is it to like an actual tag team. How about that? I know, but this is just Slater this, and a politician. There's just no momentum. Like this, this division has no momentum. And again, roster depth. You move all the tag teams to SmackDown. You don't have this problem. You have more interesting matchups. But. It, what it, it is what it is. You got titles on both shows for no reason. Speaking of titles on both shows, we got um, – we, should we just talk about the Backlash pay-per-view? Because there was really nothing to talk about on – Yeah, this is, this is for all purposes our Backlash preview. Okay. So um, – The so women's I, match. Bliss, Lynch, Carmella, Naomi, Natalia, and Nikki Bella. Who wins the, ta- the, the first women's SmackDown title and why? It has to be – Becky Lynch. Like, it's time for <laughs> Becky Lynch to do it. But I don't believe she's going to win it. I think Nikki Bella's going to win it. But it should be Becky Lynch because they just love dogging Becky Lynch. She's never held a title. It's really – yeah, because, I, I mean, they're getting ready to start Total Bellas too. Mm, I'm hard telling to you, Total Bellas, that's merch. Mm. Nikki's about mm. to be real hot. They're giving her the belt. So we're, we can cross off Natalia. We can cross off Alexa Bliss. They won't win. We can cross off Naomi because he hasn't done enough to be a factor. And even she's though- black. A black champion. So <laughs> until I see it, I ain't going to see it. I even don't believe I, it. Like, even though I'd love to see Naomi get a run. I've been talking about this for years, how right. good she is. I'd love to see her get a run. Do you like not- EDM Naomi? No, I don't. Oh, okay. No. There's people that really <laughs> like EDM Naomi, but I don't. I don't like EDM Naomi because fe- it feels too kitschy and it's like, uh, it's corny. Like, I can't see her coming out with the belt doing that shit. So, no. Um, her weave glows now. That's some real shit. That's, yeah, that is wild. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you. The dark horse is Carmella uh, because of her heel turn. There is a possibility that she can win this and feud with Nikki Bella um, and have Nikki something to chase after the belt. But it's just, man, like, like depth, depth, roster depth. Like the SmackDown roster doesn't have the best talent, but they have the best second-tier talent of all the women. So it's like there's a, a ton of – B-plus players on SmackDown, including Becky Lynch. Who's it is the B-plus show. It, yeah. <laughs> That's so what you, it is. But and So you, you have more potential matchups with these women than you do with the Raw roster of women because there's only three great wrestlers on that roster. Just put them together. And it would have been – it just – we'd have more matches. But whatever. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that uh, – I'm going to pick Carmella as my dark horse. She shouldn't win. She shouldn't win. But I just don't think it makes sense for <laughs> Nikki Carmella Bella. Carmella and the dancing. Ah! Yeah. I, the I, crazy I, feet. 
And as much as I like Becky, I feel like they're going to save it for a Becky Lynch moment. So, whatever. <laughs> there. No, um, yeah, she got to get the belt. They got to yeah. stop doing Becky Lynch dirty. It's time. Yeah. Um, one person that's not even on the pay-per-view. Apollo Crews. Well, yeah. because <laughs> Yo, it's over. It's so over. <laughs> it's over for him. And it's, it's sad to say, man. It's, My it's, brother, we had a chance, but as soon as Daniel Bryan called you Apollo Creed and was dead ass serious, you're yo, over, my man. Goose is cooked. All right, um, real quick, Miz and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Miz? Uh, Miz? I don't know. It's the fucking chicken versus Colonel Sanders. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're Who right. won that match? <laughs> it's the exact match. Yeah, Colonel the Sanders won that versus- match. Okay, um, so uh, the chicken goes over on Colonel Sanders. Okay, yeah, and, I'm with you. Yeah, um, Orton versus Bray Wyatt, which is sneaky, been a good program. It, I, it I just, has. I just wanted to keep going. It, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Randy Orton. We need uh, more time. The build wasn't enough between SummerSlam. Yeah. And now to give them the time they need, um, I'll go Orton because he took the ass whooping from Lesnar. But Bray isn't going away quietly. I like this program. I like this program, and I think it, it's smart to, if if. if AJ Styles is going to be your champion. Orton should be the one to chase. And I think Orton and Styles' program heading into Survivor Series would be great. So with that being said, I'm going to pick Orton to beat Bray Wyatt. Not bad. And then that wraps up <laughs> Backlash pay-per-view, which we'll fast forward through and end up watching in like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch. I'll probably, I, chances are I'm going to watch it Monday morning. I'm going to wake up Monday, and while I'm working, I'm going to watch that. Uh, pay per view. I'm Same probably not going to do Sunday. I'm just going to yeah. stay off of social media because I don't see anything groundbreaking happening anyway. So I was about to if, say I doubt it's going to be trending. Yeah, I gotta you know I gotta do my fantasy football shit so and make my bets this week. So there's that. Before we um, get out of here, we got to talk about Bola. Even though no, we weren't there, and half the world hasn't seen it. Only 400 people have seen it, <laughs> to be exact, which is crazy. But yeah. it's the biggest shit in wrestling, and only 400 people have seen it. One person that did see it is Dave Meltzer. So shout out to him for giving us all the info we need. Yeah, so Bola. All right. So for those of you who listen to this show and love wrestling and for some reason have never watched the PWG show, I suggest you go to the YouTube Pro Wrestling Guerrilla channel and watch their preview videos. Because their preview videos are probably better than anything you're going to watch on SmackDown and Raw this week. Um, So Battle of Los Angeles is three stages, three nights, and they they have a tournament style format. Um, and then the winner gets a future title shot. And in between all of this, they have other great matches. So, and, and the thing about Battle of Los Angeles, it's like, it takes so long for these DVDs to come out that it's not, you're not really spoiling anything, but it's really about the talent. It's not even about who really, who wins. It's really watching great matches. So I'm not going to spoil who won it, even though if you look, you're going to figure it out. But this year's Bola had Cody Rhodes, Zack Sabre Jr., Marty Skrull. Um, Shout out to Skrull, who's finally getting his just due. Yeah. Uh, Skrull was in the tournament. Um, Adam Cole actually dropped out of the tournament for whatever reason, so he could be in a tag match with the Bucks. Uh, Ricochet. Um, dude, there was so much talent. And Jeff Cobb. If you haven't seen Jeff Cobb, Russell, you need to watch just the preview video of him and Ricochet's match. Ridiculous. Crazy. Um, yeah, just a powerhouse in He's Cobb. He's a big dude that can go, though. Yeah, he really can. Um, but... Bola this year is I. It's almost bizarre that they've still been able to keep this at that place. You haven't been there yet, Kel, but I've been there two, the last two years, and that four hundred person 
place. And it's not even 400 seats because it ends up being a lot of standing room only. And it ends up being like 120 degrees in that building because the AC doesn't work. It's bizarre. <laughs> Yo, they got to pitch in for some AC. They don't, but they just don't care. Like this place could easily fill up a thousand person arena because those tickets sell out in a matter of minutes for, for Bola or any other, uh, you know, their cards for that matter. Um, it's just, it's the best, between them and New Japan, they have the best shows. And I know Meltzer gave um, a five-star match to the six-man tag of the Young Bucks and Adam Cole versus Ricochet, uh, Will Ospreay, and Matt Seidel. And I think on Wrestling Observer Radio, he called it the best tag team match that he can remember. And if he, this is Dave Meltzer we're talking about who remembers matches from like the 70s. So, yeah, that alone, and that, that was night two. And I mean, I can't, there's not enough words to say, like, I've been there. You have to experience this. If you're a wrestling fan, you need to go to Reseda, California, find a way to get a ticket, and go to one of these shows. Pitchers of beer are like $5, $10, um, and you drink out of the pitcher. It's a five-hour show, so you need the pitcher of beer. Yeah, it can be a five-hour show. You never know how long the show is actually going to be. I think last year's stage three Ebola, which me and Marcus went to, um, I think it ended up being like a six-hour show. And I planned on driving back from Vegas, and I planned on the show being over at like 9 or 10, and I ended up driving back from Vegas at midnight, uh, which was a nightmare. But <laughs> That late-night drive is real. Yeah, but there's no guardrails. Like if the, They tell you, look, if you're going to sit in the front row, be aware, because the wrestlers are going to fall on you. And it never fails. Like They, they fly into the crowd. They don't give a shit. Nah, Crazy. you got to move. You better catch somebody. You better do something. Like, dude, there's this in, in the in the building. It's just a rundown little auditorium, like gymnasium type of deal. It's it's mad small, but the wrestling is so good. It's just unbelievably good. And you're gonna see shit you've never seen in your life at I mean, a PWG. Some of the best wrestlers right now in the WWE came through PWG's oh, 400 seat arena. Yeah, everybody's been there. AJ Styles has been there. Daniel Bryan's been there. CM Punk has been there. Samoa Joe, like Kevin um, Owens. Yeah, Kevin, like, you know, he was, Steen, 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 was champion. yeah, Steen and uh, El Generico, Sami Zayn, had probably one of the best matches I've ever seen at Steen Wolf, if you can find that anywhere, in, in their ladder match, which is absolutely insane. Um, yeah, it's just everybody's come through there. Like, I did say Daniel Bryan, I mean, there, there aren't wrestlers that you can miss that, that haven't been there, like Ricochet, Prince Puma, Lucha Underground. Has made a name for himself well, there. By the way, Ricochet has opted out of his contract. Hmm. So well, it's time. We don't know where he's going. No one will know until what next March, because you can't do anything until the season airs of Lucha Underground. But he is not going back there. No. So let's see if Trips puts all the money behind it. He's got. I mean, might as well give him a chase, man. He's that good. You it's know, time Ricochet. for the flippy shit. You know, he, but he's actually developing into a really good wrestler. Yeah, he um, showed the good movesets. He's bigger. That's the key. He is he's bigger. He's stronger. Lot, yeah. Like, if you look at a picture of Ricochet from six years ago, you wouldn't notice the guy. Oh, Ricochet with the long hair? Yeah, like, long hair, Ricochet. Yeah, he was a baby. Um, <laughs> 115 pound Ricochet. Yeah, the, the bottom line is, you know, you need to watch this. It's They have comedy wrestling, uh, which is absolutely fantastic and hilarious. Um, Ciampa, Gargano, like you name them, they've been through American Legion's doors. And for it to be just such a small promotion, um, they've just done really well for themselves. And still, using, only, still putting out DVDs. 
Yeah, well, they can't do iPay-Per-View because all the fighters are under contract elsewhere. So it's like, you know, you got Ring of Honor guys like Cody Rhodes it was in Ebola this year. Like a lot of these guys they can't put on because of, you know, those issues. But they do this archaic DVD format. And it's bizarre because it takes like mad long. I think their last, last one, 13, still isn't out yet. And I think that show was in like June. And that shit is still not out. And I, I'm waiting to watch it. Like right now as we're doing the show, I'm watching All-Star Weekend when Zack Sabre Jr. became the champion by beating Roderick Strong. Like I'm watching this while, as we're doing this show. It was heel Roddy Strong, right? Oh, yeah. Roddy's just, he's always been a heel in PWG. Okay. Shitty little boots, Roderick Strong. That's, that's <laughs> what they call it, shitty little boots. And the, the chants are, like, everything's great. Everything, I can't glow about this enough. I'm just saying, like, if you want to watch something that makes your eyes pop out of your head, watch a PWG show. I, I guarantee you you'll have way more fun than watching Raw SmackDown. Yes, make sure it happens. Uh, next week, we're going to recap all the stuff that happened. We're going to talk Canelo, if, you know, if that's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> um. Coming to the close of the CWC, it's going to be a live finale. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, NXT, once again, we're going to see more people and more storylines come together there. And whatever else pops up, because we never know what pops up in hip-hop and just culture that we have to talk about. Yeah, pretty much. For now, this episode is over. Make sure you guys follow us on all social media, at The Corner LSN. You can follow me, at Kel Dansby, on all platforms. Yeah, and it's me, at Andreas Hale. You'll find me saying some shit that's going to upset a bunch of people. Yeah, that's, that's the new norm. He's going viral. <laughs> he got the blue check. He's acting brand new. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but until next week, man, we're out. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.